Week two, faithful in small things. Faithful in small things. If, you're, if you've got your Bibles, you can follow along the screen. That's totally fine. But we are going to be kind of reviewing a little bit in 1 Samuel chapter 16, and we're going to get into the first part of 1 Samuel chapter 17. Again, in this series, we are talking about the life of David, but we are more so focusing on his life, not mentioned in, in, in other books, but more so just First and Second Samuel, which is a pretty extensive teaching, but it's going to be good. So I want to give you a little bit of review, if that's okay. Are, are my ears weird, or does this mic sound weird? Is this mic okay? Is that, my ears, I think, are just weird. I had those in-ears in. They loud. They're crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last week, we talked about becoming seekers. Just a review of what, what's going on at this point in the story of David. King Saul was appointed as the first king of Israel by God, and he keeps messing up. Um, God gave him some simple commands. He said, I want you to go to uh, the, 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 the place, uh, I think it was Gilgal is what it was called, and he said, I want you to wait there seven days. He didn't wait. He did not wait for Samuel. Because he didn't wait, he, he tried to, 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 to sacrifice the offering himself. And because of that, God was displeased. And he said, um, I'm, I'm no longer going to give you the kingdom that I promised you. Again, later on in, in, in the book of 1 Samuel, around chapter 13, chapter 14, God gave him another shot. God said, I want you to destroy all the Amalekites. I want you to destroy every, every person. I want you to destroy all the, the calves. I want you to destroy everything. Just destroy everything they got. Just take them out. And if you remember, Saul was still disobedient. In fact, he didn't destroy all the Amalekites. He, he captured the king, held him for ransom, and then he, he took all the good, the calves, the good cows, the good rams, all the good stuff, because he said, I want to use this for my benefit. Now, the thing that I want to point out starting off this message, Saul destroys everything except for a few things. And God gave me a phrase that I want us to really get in our hearts and minds. Partial obedience is disobedience. Partial obedience is disobedience. God said, destroy all the Amalekites. Saul partially did what God said. He destroyed most of them. But he still kept the few things that he thought were more valuable to him. He was partially obedient. And God did not look upon him with grace and say, hey, because you did most of the work, I'll, I'll give you a pass on this one. I'm going to give you grace on this, this one. I'm, I'm going to give you okay. God said, because you did not listen to my one command to destroy everything, not just a little, but everything, your kingdom will not be established. We love to partially obey God. We have become a people that are partially obedient. We serve when it fits our needs, but when it's uncomfortable or when it doesn't work or when it comes against maybe even our personal belief system, we say, God, I love your teaching, but I'm going to throw it away because I don't want to just obey everything. I'm going to obey what works for me. We become partially obedient to what he wants, and we do what we want despite the commands of God. And God has given us a call to be a people who are seeking his heart to such a degree where it's not just partially obey me, but obey everything that I've commanded you to obey. The title of tonight's message is Faithful in Small Things. 
It's really easy to obey the big things, but when it gets to the small stuff, it seems like that's where our biggest compromise is. The way we react to people, the way we approach people, the way we honor people. We, for when that does not fit our life, for some reason, we love our beliefs over his. We love to get revenge. We love to hold bitterness. We love to stay in our place and say, God, I love you, but I'm going to do what I want to do. And I believe God is speaking tonight that partial obedience is disobedient. You cannot expect to walk in all God has called for you to have if you were only walking a partially obedient life. And yet so many of us walk in a partial obedient life and wonder why doors are not opening up, why, um, why, why stress is not leaving, why anxiety is not going, why depression is still here. We're wondering why, oh, why, why, woe is me. And God says, because the only way to go into what I have for you is to obey everything that I've asked. Now that's a tough thing because let's be honest, that's near impossible for us as humans. Our flesh is not saved. We talked about that earlier. So we are going to be prone to walk into sinful things. But we cannot let the fall of our flesh be the excuse for our disobedience. Because where God is graceful, he still calls us to obey in all of his commands. He still calls us to be faithful in all we're called to do. Saul was missing this. So God was looking for someone. He said, Saul, you're not faithful in all the small stuff. I asked you to kill everyone. You killed part of things. I asked you to wait. You only waited seven days. You've been partially obedient, so I've got to find someone that's faithful. So in 1 Samuel 16, verse 10 through 12, we read this last week. It says this. In the same way, all of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel, but Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you got? Well, they're still the youngest, Jesse replied. But he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down until he arrives. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. Who was he talking about? David. David was called out and saw fit to be anointed as king. But he was not sitting under a kingly leader to be mentored. David was an underpaid, underappreciated, undervalued shepherd boy. That's all they saw him as. He looked the same. He had the same attributes. The Bible said David had beautiful eyes, just like Pastor Kyle. <laughs> David said he was a handsome man. I'm hoping that my wife hears this message wherever she is. Just download the podcast, woman. <laughs> Handsome man, beautiful eyes. He was a good-looking cat. But they just saw underpaid, underprivileged, undervalued shepherd boy. Now, the thing about shepherds is that they had a pretty, pretty tough job. They cared for the safety of the flock. You see, just if you know anything about agriculture or anything of the sort, Having a herd or whatever the thing is of sheep was how they brought money in. So David was responsible for a pretty significant thing in the lives of these people. He had to protect the sheep. He had to protect them from predators. He had to make sure that their health was okay. 
Um, they, they, he, had to, he had to shear the sheep. He had, when, when, when it was time to, to cut the hair off the sheep because it got too dirty or too entangled or too hot or whatever it was, he was in charge of all that. It was a hard job. It was an underpaid job, but he's the one who had to do it. And the thing about protecting the sheep was that it wasn't like today where you just protect them from, you know, some pesticides in the ground. You're talking about lions and tigers and bears trying to get these sheep. And the only thing that stood between these sheep and those predators was this little undervalued, underappreciated shepherd boy. He's the one that had to do all that. Day and night, it was a tiring job. It was a stinky job. It's not like he could just go get a shower. He'd live with the sheep. It was hard. But David was great at it. And he was faithful in it. He was proven faithful in an undervalued, underappreciated, small place. Proverbs 3, 3-5 through 5 says it like this. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Loyalty and kindness. Kindness and loyalty. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. And then, then, then you will find favor with both God and people. And you will earn a good reputation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. The Bible says in Proverbs, trust God in this. If you're loyal and you're kind, the fruit is favor. And there's so many times we want favor. God, I need a break. I'm tired of dealing with this thing. I need you to help pay my bills. I need you to help me with this marriage. I need you to help me with my friends. I need you to help me with this grief. God, do this. God, do this. God, give me favor in my finances. Give me favor in my bills. Give me favor. Give me favor. And there are so many charismatic church services that I go to where they all pray the same thing. God, give us favor. God, give us favor. Let me tell you something. Favor is not something that God places on you. Favor is the fruit of a command. What's the command? Be loyal and be kind. If you're loyal and if you're kind, you will produce a fruit of favor, not only with God, but among men. And there's so many times we're trying to strategize and get into the right place at the right time. But God says, if you would just put loyalty and kindness on your neck, I will make sure you get all the favor you need to get whatever you need to go into the place that I prepare for you. And it's really easy to be kind, but sometimes it's hard to be loyal. Can I be honest with you? If you gossip, you are not being loyal. So don't expect favor. If you are mean to someone, you're not being kind. Don't expect favor. Well, Kyle, that's kind of elementary. But we mess it up all the time. Tie loyalty and, and kindness around your neck. 
Put it in your heart. Be loyal to everyone. Be loyal to the ones that cheat you. Be loyal to your mom. Be loyal to your dad. Be loyal to your wife. Be loyal to your husband. Be loyal to your kids. Be loyal. Be kind. Be loyal to your coworkers. Be loyal to your employees. Be loyal to your boss. If you are loyal, favor. And the crazy thing is, God gives us that simplicity, and yet we spend our prayer time doing this. God, why don't I have favor? Maybe we should stop asking God, why don't we have favor, and start saying, let's search our hearts and find where we have missed loyalty and kindness. Because the thing with David is his brothers didn't like him. He was underappreciated. He was undervalued. But he made sure he was loyal to what his job was, and he made sure he was kind. And his loyalty was never hardly seen. That dude was by himself watching sheep, and he always stayed loyal. Loyalty is not something that you do just when people see. It's what you do in the secret. It's what you do in the places no one knows. It's how you treat the people that no one will ever see. Loyalty. He said, you be loyal, you be kind, I'll give you favor. Proverbs 11.3 says this, honesty guides good people. Dishonesty destroys treacherous people. Notice the adjectives. He says, honest people are good. Dishonest people are treacherous. There are so many times where we're dishonest and we're backbiting and we're backstabbing and yet we wonder why, why don't I have favor? How many of you have big dreams for your life? Yeah, most of us do. Most of us have huge dreams for our life and we want to walk into them. And God says in order to walk into your dreams, you've got to be placed in front of the right people to be able to walk through those doors to get you to see your dream happen. But you will not find the favor with the people you need if you are not loyal and kind. It's not just a man. God doesn't just say, here's a mantle of favor. It's I'm loyal, I'm kind, favor's produced. There's a joke around, around my life that people say all the time, and it's, it's a joke, but it's true. They always say, Kyle, you got parking favor. And what they mean by that is when we go down, downtown for street teams or for those of you that saved eating pizza at Vinnie Van Gogh's, whenever we're driving downtown, for some reason, ask anyone, I always get the best spot within about a minute of walking. Can anyone testify to that that's ever been with me? Yeah, every single time. I know why I have favor. Because I'll put the brake on to let someone get in front of me. When I want to flip someone the bird, I keep my hand right in my pocket. I'm, loyalty, I'm loyal and kind in my driving as much as I can be. So I produce favor. Now, that's a very, very surface level example. Because I'm, I'm not saying be nice when you're driving, you're going to get a parking space. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that there is a producing of the fruit of favor in your loyalty and kindness to people. It, it, everything with God is a, is a process. It's you sow the seed, you produce the fruit. Obedience and dishonesty cannot exist together. Remember, partial obedience is disobedience. If you're dishonest to any degree, if you're unkind to any degree, if you are not loyal to any degree. It's not, I'm partially loyal. It's either you are or you're not. Black and white, no gray. 
You're either in, you're out, you're hot or cold. You want more favor? Show kindness. Show loyalty. Even when it does not work for your benefit. And being faithful doesn't just start when you get into the calling, but it starts in small things. Faithfulness in small things. Psalm 37, 23, we read this last week. It says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail. If God delights in all the details, why aren't we faithful in every detail? Faithful in small things. You see, we, we get this thought in our minds that one day we're going to get to this place and I'm going to honor God as soon as I get that house, as soon as I get that car, as soon as I get that, that dream job, as soon as I get out of this stink, as soon as I get out of this mess I'm in. I'm, God, I promise. Yeah, you ever heard those people? Oh, God, if you would just give me a million dollars, I will worship you. God, if you will just get me out of this debt, I will do anything for you. And God says, let's flip that and do anything for me. And the fruit will be favoring what you need. Not God, God, if you do, I will. But God, I will with the promise of that you'll do. Being faithful in every step. David was faithful. He was in a very low, a very humble position. David wasn't planning on becoming king. David wasn't planning necessarily on advancement. David's attitude was, I'm a shepherd. This is where I'm at. And I'm going to be faithful to what I'm called to do. He wasn't complaining that, oh, I wish I didn't have to shepherd these stupid sheep and I live out here and sting. No, he wasn't doing that. He said, I'm a shepherd in this season, and I'm going to be faithful in it. There is a powerful promise in the book of Deuteronomy. Y'all okay? Is this good? There is a powerful story, statement, promise in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 11. I'm going to read verse 8 and just stay on verse 8. Don't go forward. It says, therefore... Be careful to obey every command I'm giving you today. Someone shout today. So that you may have strength to go in and take over the land that you are about to enter. Let's, let's look at that. He says, obey every command that I'm giving you today so you'll be prepared to go into what you're about to enter tomorrow. And there's so many times we, we say, well, we're going to do it all once we get there. But God says, you need to obey every command and stay faithful in every small thing right now. Even if it doesn't make sense, even if it's not where you want to be, even if you're miserable, even if you feel like you're a failure, even if you feel like nothing's ever going to happen, he says, obey right now so that you will be prepared for what you're about to walk into. And there's so many times we want the promise of that thing, of God, would you just please do this? And God says, okay, be faithful in the small stuff right now. Now look at the next verse, verse 9. If you obey, if you obey today, you will enjoy a long life in the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors and to you, their descendants, a land flowing with milk and honey. These people are in a place right now where they're depending on dirt and water. They're depending on the bare essentials. He says, if you'll be faithful in this horrible, barren, dry season, 
you're going to enjoy a life in the land of more than enough, of great fruit, of great pleasure. Look at verse 10. The land you are about to enter and take over is not like the land of Egypt from which you came. You planted your seed, you made irrigation ditches with your foot as in a vegetable garden. In other words, he said, you have to work your butt off to get some sort of paradise. He said, the land I'm preparing for you ain't like that. Rather, the land you will soon take over, go back, you had it right, is a land of hills and valleys with plenty of rain. A land that the Lord your God cares for, he watches over it through each season of the year. Listen to what the scripture says. You've got today and you've got tomorrow. He says, I assure you this, your destiny, your dream, your place you want to be, the place you want to be in your marriage, the place you want to be in your career, the place you want to be in your calling. He says, I am taking care of it. I'm giving it plenty of rain. I'm watching over it through every season. I'm watering the ground. I'm getting it ready. I'm taking care of it. I am being faithful to you. He says, while I'm being faithful in what you will walk into one day, I want you to give me the same honor and be faithful in what you're in right now. He says, I've got that and I'm taking care of that. And while I take care of tomorrow, you take care of today. And if you will be faithful in every small detail and faithful in the small things and obey the commands I've given you today, you're going to walk into a place that I've been taking care of you the whole flipping time. Now I want you to think about that. Think about the faithfulness of God. Because I don't know about you, but there are seasons of my life where it seems like I just mess up every day. And y'all ever been there? He says, this is how faithful I am. Even if you, say, if you stay stubborn and wicked and stupid for 20, 30, 40 years, I'm still going to take care of your tomorrow. I'm going to water it. I'm going to tend to it. I'm going to make sure it's ready. The sad part about it is some of us will never walk into the place God prepares. Not because God didn't want you to walk to it but because you didn't do the one thing to get there. Stay faithful in every detail. Obey the commands and things I've given you for today. Well, God, I just I can't do this anymore. I, I'm not feeling it anymore. I, I just feel like I'm going through the motions. I feel like I'm in this revolving cycle that never, ever ends. And God says, well, so am I. He's in this revolving cycle of taking care of your tomorrow, preparing it, watering it, making sure it's ready. And he says, while I'm doing that, just do the same. Just obey me. Obey the commands I've given you. Pay attention to the detail. <laughs> Pay attention to the detail. Because David was so faithful in his today, we come to this place in 1 Samuel 16 that we read last week that says David stood there among his brothers 
And Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. And Samuel returned to Ramah. I don't know if you remember this from last week. But when God told Saul, amen. I'm sorry I ever gave you the kingdom. His immediate response was, I'm going to anoint someone that I've already chosen. David had no idea that his tomorrow was to be a king over the land that he was taking care of sheep in. But God did. Because God said, I'm taking care of David's tomorrow, and I may not reveal it to him yet. Because I'm waiting to see, will he stay faithful in being a shepherd? God says, I've got big plans for you, son or daughter. But if you can't be faithful in your current job, why do you think I would trust you to manage your destiny? Can I get even more real? I know there's a few restaurant workers in here, so I feel like a few of y'all will, will identify with this. We got Walmart employees. We got waitresses. We got all... all a lot of customer service people, actually. But let's just take the idea of a waiter or a waitress. You are nice to them. You fill up that table's drinks. You kiss their behind for 30 or 40 minutes. And they give you a bad tip. What's the first thing you do? I can't believe those people, those sons of... I just, I, I'm just, I, I can't, I can't. They, they just, why would they do that to me? If you cannot manage your attitude by being cheated out of a tip, why would God ever bring you into a season of managing people who are going to do the same thing? Why would God ever make you a boss over a restaurant if you can't handle the attitude of a person at your table? Because loyalty brings favor. Be faithful in what you have, and I'll open up doors. I want to see how faithful you're going to be when customers treat you like crap. I want to see how faithful you're going to be when your boss does not give you that raise. Because loyalty is not talking bad about the boss who didn't give you the raise. He says, I want to see what you can deal with because you need to learn it to be successful in what I have been tending for you all these years. Why didn't God let me become a pastor first? Because I had to deal with 50 or 60 teenagers that made me go bald. Because God says, how can you manage adults if you can't deal with a 14-year-old kid? Prove faithful in that, I'll walk you into your tomorrow. Let's talk about where we're at currently. Kyle, why would I ever give you a church of thousands if you can't establish intimacy among 50? Now it's not so crazy when we're talking about going to a smaller space, is it? Because God says, be faithful in what I've called you to do with these 50 people. Because I'm watering tomorrow. I'm preparing tomorrow. 
but, are, but what are you doing right now? Because I want you to look at the people you're sitting around. Do you really know them? Do you know what they struggle with? Do you know what their shortcomings are? Do you know what their celebrations are? But we want a big church. Am, am I talking to anybody? Obey now. Be faithful now and small because I'm preparing your tomorrow. David was anointed that day to be king. But just because he was anointed that day to be king does not mean he automatically became a king. And I think one reason we doubt God so much in our lives is because we think anointing is synonymous with automatic. Just because you are anointed son or daughter of the living God does not mean you automatically walk into your destiny. God is not just going to throw that into your lap. He gives you the keys. Be loyal. Be kind. I'll give you favor among me and among men. Because whether you like it or not, God is not the only person you've got to have favor with to advance. You've got to have favor with the people governing the thing you're called to walk into. You don't get to surpass that because you believe in God. He says, I'll give you favor with me, and I'll give you favor with the very people who you dislike. I'll give you favor with the people who don't like you. We're about to find out that David found favor with Saul. Think about it. David was called to take Saul's place. And Saul's the one calling on David to help him out. David found favor with someone who was not going to like David when he found out what David was going to be. But it's not about what they like. It's simply this. Be loyal, be kind. You get favor with anyone. You get favor with people who don't like you. You get favor with people who are against you. You get favor among men. It doesn't say some. It says among them. Be faithful in small things. Is this good? Okay. Because this has been speaking to me all week. I'm not doing this to pat myself on the back, but I'm just going to be real. Ryan's got a crew at the space. And you can ask him. I'm not just saying this. I go there at least three times a week, and I say, can I buy y'all lunch? Because I don't want to just give that crew a check and say, build this house. You know what my real goal is? I want to see every one of them in the house of God worshiping. So how do I gain favor with people who are not currently in church? I'm loyal, and I'm kind. I heard the guy doing the mudding the other day say this. There's something here. You got me interested. You got me interested. Not because I'm special. Because you get favor with loyalty and kindness. How do we get this building? How do we get to tear down their walls and, and rip out their pews and rip out their stage and re-carpet it and do what we, we did whatever we wanted to this space. Y'all remember that? year and a half ago. We did it. We, we spent three days in here remodeling everything. How did we get that favor? Lo loyalty and kindness. 
I kept relationship with the pastor here over the three or four years we were at the YMCA, even though I didn't work for him, and even though I may have felt like I got the short end of the deal. I was loyal. I was kind. So when we said, we need your space, what happened? Favor. Okay. Hey, man, can, can, can I, like, tear apart your building and do whatever I want so it fits our needs? Okay. Loyalty, kindness, favor. David was anointed king, but he still had to be faithful in everything he did. Look at 1 Samuel 16, verse 14. The spirit of the Lord had left Saul. We read this last week. The Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. He probably needed that song that fear can go to hell. <laughs> Shame can go there too. Some of Saul's servants said to him, dude, a spirit, a tormenting spirit from God is troubling you, man. Let's find you a good musician to play the harp whenever that tormenting spirit troubles you. He'll play soothing music. You'll be soon be well again. Saul's like, all right, yeah, that's good. Find me someone who plays well. Bring him here. So one of the servants said to Saul, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem, he, he's, a, he's a talented harp player. Not only that, he's a brave warrior, he's a man of war, and he's a good judgment. He's also a fine-looking young man. The Lord's with him. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse saying, send me your son David. The who? He was anointed as king, but where was he still working as? A shepherd. You may be anointed to be the next billionaire in America, but are you stewarding your $20,000 a year well? Jesse responded by sending David to Saul along with a young goat, a donkey load of bread, a wine skin full of wine. So David went to Saul, began serving him. Look at that. David started serving him. He knew he was anointed to be king, but he was serving the king. He didn't come in there saying, Hey, man, you know I'm about to take your spot, right? He didn't come in there saying, I'm better than you. He didn't come in there nitpicking everything that the king was doing wrong. He started serving him. Sometimes your nitpicking of wrong is preventing you from walking in your destiny to take over. I learned that the hard way for a long time. Saul loved David very much. David became his armor bearer. Saul sent word to Jesse, please let David remain in my service for I'm pleased with him. And whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp, Saul would feel better, and the tormenting spirit would go away. He gained favor with the king because he remained faithful in a small thing. Yet so many times when we get big promises like David got, you're going to be a king. We think we're exempt from being faithful in the small because we put our minds in tomorrow, not understanding that God says, I'm taking care of your tomorrow. So while I take care of that, be faithful right now. Huh. David was anointed king, went back to the field. And I, as I was reading the story, I was thinking, David could play the mess out of a harp. I don't know if you've ever seen like a harp. But harps ain't exactly an easy instrument to play. I play a lot of instruments. I wouldn't dare try to even pluck a harp. It says David was well-skilled. He sent out for the best musician in the land, and David got picked. You know what I began to think? Where do you think David got so good at playing the harp? He was a shepherd all alone, 
what do you think he filled his time with? Practicing. He was developing a skill that he never knew would take him into the courts of the king. Because all he knew is that he had to take care of sheep and he had a talent that he needed to refine. And because he was faithful in learning the harp and faithful in taking care of the sheep, all of a sudden David finds himself the least liked of his brothers living in the king's castle. Because he was a good harp player that took care of sheep. And you think that your horrible job is really keeping you from your destiny? No, no, no. It's your attitude and stewardship of what you're in. Is this, is this all right? So David is in favor with the king. And I want you to remember, while David's, I'm about to close, David's getting this favor. And remember, all this came about because the Israelites were fighting with the Philistines. Y'all remember? That's why King Saul got scared and was, and was hiding in rocks and caves. They were fighting. Jonathan defeated a troop of a thousand, and all of a sudden all the Philistines surrounded Saul as many troops like grains of sand. So after David is in the, is in the temple course and he's soothing Saul with his beautiful harp playing, Let's go to chapter 17, starting in verse 1. The Philistines now mustered their army for battle, and they camped between Sokah and Judah and Azekah at Ephes. Exactly. Verse 2. Saul countered by gathering his Israelite troops near the Valley of Elah. So the Philistines and the Israelites face each other on opposite hills. It's, it's kind of like the Avengers Endgame, you know, like uh, for those of you that, you know, are holy and you watch movies. That it's like this battle is about to go down. And then this, then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. Now look at how he was described. He was nine feet tall. That's a big dude. He wore a bronze helmet. His bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. That was his armor. He wore a bronze leg armor. He carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and as thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. He was carrying hundreds of pounds of armor, nine feet tall. This dude was huge. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. Now, I taught y'all something in the Worshiping Church series. You had a temple. And you had a courtyard, you had a holy place, and you had the most holy place. In the most holy place, in the, it was the presence of God. And there was something that distinguished the materials in the holy place versus the materials in the courtyard. In the courtyard, the wash basin and the altar of sacrifice was made of a certain metal. You remember what the metal was? Bronze. Man. 
in the presence of God. What was the metal used to make everything? Gold. What metal was Goliath wearing? Goliath was wearing a bronze helmet. He had bronze armor. He had bronze this. He bronzed that. And I was reading that. I realized that there was a, there was a difference. In the holy place, the only thing that could be in the presence of God was gold. And everything outside was bronze. And I, bronze, and I felt like God said this. Some of you are running from em enemies that are not even worthy to wear the stuff that God gave you to wear. Goliath, all he could wear was bronze. And these people, the people of God, are scared of a dude not even worthy to wear the stuff that God was contained in. And they running. And God says, I've called you to be my son and daughter. I've anointed you to be my children. And when enemies come at you, they are not even worthy to wear the anointing that's on you. And when the enemy comes in your life, you run and you hide and you back up and you compromise. You come disloyal, but you become unkind. You're running away from something that's not even worthy to dress in the same stuff that God sees you as. Goliath is wearing stuff not even worthy to be in the presence of God and he's shouting at him. He's taunting at him. <laughs> Goliath stood and shouted, verse 8. Why are you all coming out to fight? I'm the Philistine champion, but you're only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we'll be your slaves, but if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. And when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. They were the people of God, scared of a dude dressed in a garment that wasn't even worthy to be in the holiest place. And when all this is happening, in the next verse, we get a picture of what's going on with David. It says in verse 12, Now David, the son of the man named Jesse, and an Ephrathite from Bethlehem in the land of Judah, Jesse was an old man at this time. He had eight sons. Jesse's three oldest sons, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shemaiah, had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. So the brothers of David, they fighting. They on the front line. And what are they? Terrified. David was the youngest son. His three older brothers stayed with Saul's army, but David went back and forth so he could help his father with what? The sheep. This was years and years and years and years and years later. This wasn't a matter of days. He was still a shepherd while he played the harp for the king, while he had residence in the palace. He was still shepherding. Verse 16. For 40 days, every morning and evening, that Philistine champion Goliath strutted in front of the Israel, Israelite army. And one day, Jesse said to David, Take this basket of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers. Now, I want you to remember something. David's brothers did not like him. And when Jesse said, David, I want you to take bread to your hungry brothers fighting at the front line, David didn't say, I don't want to do that. David didn't say, I am. You, Dad, you don't know what they said to me. You don't know what they called me. You don't know what they did to me. He said, okay. Because what did he clothe around himself? He was loyal and he was kind. 
He was faithful in small things. He had one, one thing. Take bread to your brothers. Give them 10 cups of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they are doing. David's brothers were with Saul and Israel army at the Valley of Elah fighting against Philistines. Verse 20. So David left the sheep with another shepherd, set out early the next morning with the gifts as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as their Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. Soon the Israelite and Philistine forces stood facing each other army against army. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. Now David could have got scared and said, I ain't going out there. I ain't doing that. He was being loyal to what Jesse told him to do. Take the bread, take the cheese, check on your brothers. Well, as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out. And then David heard him shout his usual taunt. What was his taunt? If you beat me with one man, we'll be your slaves. If I beat you, you're going to be ours. Bring me a man who's worthy to fight me. Well, looking onward in verse 24, as soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen this giant, the men asked? He comes out every day to defile Israel. The king has offered a huge reward. Oh, what was the reward? What was the reward? This is the, he said, he'll give the man one of his daughters for the wife, and the man and his entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. I, I, I wish someone would offer me that challenge. If you'll follow through, I'll give you a wife and I'll give you free taxes. All right, what is it? I'll do it. I, I, I will get on a roller coaster for that in a second. For those of you that know me, you get that. God, don't do that. So David, David asked the soldiers, what, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who, who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he's even allowed to defy the armies of God? I love David. David's like, this dude can't even wear the, uh, the particular medal to get in the presence. Why are y'all even allowing him to shout at you? Why are you allowing the enemy to taunt you with depression and anxiety and fear and doubt? Why are you allowing the enemy to convince you that you're not enough? Why do you listen to the enemy saying, you'll never be this and you'll never do that and you'll never experience this and you've lost it and you've messed up and you're never going to move forward? Why are you even allowing that mess in your mind? these men gave David the same reply yes that's the reward for killing him verse 28 when David's older brother Eliab heard David talking to the men he was angry what are you doing around here aren't you supposed to be watching after the, those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of you're prideful and you got the seat you just want to see the battle what have I done now David replied I was only asking the question I'd be asking the question too. Life and free taxes, what you got? So then he walked over to some mothers asking the same thing, received the same answer. So then David's question was reported to King Saul. Now what did David have with King Saul? Favor. Because of loyalty, loyalty, kindness, and being faithful in small things. So the king sent for him. Don't worry about this Philistine, David, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. 
Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There is no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. Now, here's my favorite part. We're not going to get to the part where he fights Goliath. That's next week. But this is my favorite part. Look at verse 34. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. And then he described what he did. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I sit back and cry. No. He says, I go after it with a club, rescue the lamb from its mouth, and if the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. David was a bad dude. He said, if, 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 a, if a beast, if a lion, if a bear comes at me, I get the lamb back, I get the sheep back, I grab a flipping bear or lion by its jaw and club it to death. I've done this to both lions and bears. See, it's in Scripture. I'll, I'll, I will do this very thing to the pagan Philistine. Because the fact of the matter is, this nine-foot giant was probably about the weight and size of a lion or a bear. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally considered. All right, go ahead. And may the Lord be with you. David would not have been prepared to have the courage and the boldness the skill and the experience to tackle Goliath had he not been faithful and working in a position that was underestimated, undervalued, and underappreciated. David didn't know he was wrestling lions and bears preparing for a big fight with a Philistine guy named Goliath. David didn't know that he was becoming a musician so he could play in the courts of the king. David didn't know that he was understanding what it was like to serve so that he could serve in, in a very low task of bringing bread to the sun so that he could hear the taunts that would lead him to say, I'll take down. He did not know any of it. He was just faithful in small things. If we will remain faithful and obey the commands of the Lord for what you experience today, you will without doubt be prepared to walk into what God is preparing for you tomorrow. And all you got to do is stay faithful in small things and clothe yourselves with loyalty and kindness.